I promise I spoke all the words, but our equipment didn't pick up all of them or disseminate all of them. So I, I just had a ton of people write to me and go, I don't know what you just said. I couldn't follow what you were saying. So I don't want to do the whole thing again. Uh, that would be horrendous. But uh, basically, we're talking about the arrest of the Brooklyn shooting suspect and how interesting it is that he spent years saying all kinds of things on social media that are way worse than the things you or somebody you know has been um, banned for saying. That's interesting. He's also a very inconvenient suspect because he's not the white supremacist Trump voter they were hoping for. Um, If he is a white supremacist, he's the strangest one we've ever come across. Um, And... um, I also, I, I couldn't help but think today as this was unfolding and the news of his arrest was unfolding, uh, what a, what an interesting outcome this is. Now, if he is the guy that did it, and obviously he's innocent until proven guilty, but if he is the guy who did it, this is the result of a alert New Yorker, a guy named Zach, who spotted him in the East Village at a McDonald's. Guy's just walking around. <laughs> just, I mean, it's so random and weird, you know? And when you look at pictures of him, I'm not trying to be mean, but he doesn't look like somebody that could make an elusive escape from a crime scene, right? We're not talking like, uh, you know, a cat burglar here. Uh, but anyway, this guy, Zach, sees him, calls the police. Police get him. And um, this is what happens in New York. They have all these people running their mouths, all these activists, all these social workers and social justice warriors and, you know, uh it, 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 as always, uh, the the politicians fail, all the reforms fail, all the um, you know activism fails, and the New York City cop comes through. The one they demonized, defunded, discouraged, blamed for everything for two years. They weren't going to give them anything. We, we we don't need them. We need fewer of them. Let's let them go. A lot of them did quit. And it takes the it takes the police to clean up what all these other loudmouths can't can't do can't fix. And if if New York is saved, it'll be saved by people like the NYPD. It will not be saved by people that are marching in the streets with signs and throwing you know Molotov cocktails through the windows of buildings. They're not the ones that are going to save your city. So, so we talked about that. Uh, we talked about the CDC. This is, you know, I mean, it's been weird all through, but here we have in the same week the CDC announcing 15 more days of mask mandates on public transportation, which doesn't even sound right, 15 days, if, it, if there really is a need, if we're in the midst of some surge. If we already know 15 days doesn't do anything. Okay, we, we learned that when Mike Pence was around. But then at the same time, they're, they're issuing this bizarre 15-day rule. We're wrapping up Title 42 on the southern border. So is the pandemic over or not? I guess it's over if you're an illegal immigrant. It's not if you're an American citizen traveling on, you know, Delta Airlines. And then the first Greyhound bus, as they're calling them, got to Washington, D.C., do you think that Greg Abbott is making pawns of the illegal immigrants by sending them to Washington, or were they already pawns uh, to begin with by the politicians that are opening our borders? And by the way, have you noticed how much panic there is in the Democratic Party? Every day there's another Democrat in the Senate or the House, 
And these are people that supported Biden and still do support him, but they're they're running away from the open border thing. They know that that is something people are genuinely upset about. See, the, the, the politicians are looking at the polls, and they're not just looking at how bad it's going to be for the Democrats in the fall. They're looking at the disconnect between what Democrats and Democratic media are talking about versus what's actually bothering, frustrating, enraging the American people. And so these these senators and these Congress critters and so forth, they're trying to figure out how do we get back to sounding at least like we know what you're concerned about. <laughs> we, need to, we need to connect with where people are at. So there's the, the dinner table conversation is not the, the conversation around the table on MSNBC. 210-599-5555. So those are some of the things that we started out with, and we had a little bit of technical uh, issue. Here's a CBS poll that says uh, 8 out of 10 Americans uh, support reducing immigration um, and stricter vetting of immigrants. And see, I think people have wised up to the idea that you can't, you can't shut this conversation down by saying, well, you're just a hater, you're just a bigot. When people who are immigrants, and many of them are, say, we need to be tighter about this, we need to follow the law, we need to know who's coming in, you can't, you can't run that jive on people that are immigrants or are the children of immigrants or descendants of immigrants. You can't run it. Nice try, but it doesn't work. They know, they know they're not bigots. They're not going to let some white limousine liberal call them bigots. It's not going to work. And that's what's happening. The, the irony is, if you really want immigration in this country, if you think that we need more people, if you think that uh, for, for whatever reason we need to have a, a very, very, um, and I don't mean this in the political sense of liberal, but liberal in the sense of a very lenient, open immigration system. If you, if you believe that, then you have to show people that you're serious about vetting, screening, and accountability. If you don't, if people get this idea that it's a madhouse and it's out of control and it's, it's chaos and they hear people calling into shows like this who have ranches and saying, I'm finding dead bodies and bales of cocaine and I had three fences cut and I, I, my livestock's getting out and, you know, we're, we're living in constant fear in our own home. When, when you hear that, you know what that sets us up for? That sets us up for zero immigration. That sets us up for an election, maybe not the next one, but that sets us up for an election where we elect a, a party or a politician who says, you know what, there'll be none. There's going to be none. There's going to be zero. And, of course, there'll be all kinds of hues and cries about that, too, but that will be more popular than this. So if you care about immigration and immigrants, get a grip. Show that you Show that you are willing to impose some kind of order, impose your will on it. If your answer is, well, you have to be for open borders to show that you care, you're losing. That's losing. Eight out of ten. And that's a CBS poll, which means it's probably even worse than that. And this is true of a lot of things, right? If you don't, if you can't show that your quote-unquote liberal position is a safe position, if, if it looks crazy and ill-thought-out and you don't care what happens to people and your your head's in the clouds. We wind up with the opposite. We get the opposite. 
And that is about to happen. And they somehow don't see it, or they think they can put it off. But I really think we've run, we've reached, we've reached the end of being able to shut down legitimate worries and concerns about illegal immigration just by calling people racist or, or haters. Oh, you're just a hater. You just don't want anybody to come into this. Co- no. <laughs> That's not. Kill all the whiteies. Doomsday. Um, I mean, it's just. You, it's like somebody tried to make up the craziest crap they could possibly come up with, and that's Frank James' social media trail, the suspect in the Brooklyn subway uh, shooting. Uh, long rap sheet, arrested many times on the FBI watch list. Does all this sound familiar to you? This is like every one of these stories. And you just, it makes you wonder. Who are they watching? (laughs) They're watching the January 6th conspirators. They're watching parents that go to school board meetings. They're watching people that agree with Trump or want to take ivermectin. But they miss this dude. And only the fact that he apparently is the worst shot ever. Do we not have a much, much worse and more tragic story out of Brooklyn? Guy that described 9-11 as the most beautiful day probably in the history of this effing world, unquote. That's what he wrote. But you and I, (laughs) I've asked poll questions about COVID. Just just asking the question, we're, we're taking that down. Can't have that on Facebook. Okay. All right. 210-599-5555. President Biden was in Iowa yesterday. The big story is, did a bird poop on him? I don't care. I, you know, <laughs> things should be going that well that we can have the debate. Uh, the, the, just so you know, one side says a bird pooped on him in Menlo, Iowa, and the other side says, no, it was just something blowing around in this barn that he was giving the speech in. I'm more interested in the fact that he introduced himself as John Biden. When do we start, or I should say, when do we stop pretending that we aren't noticing this? We're in the middle of a 40-year high for inflation, and he gets started by saying, my name is John. He is still fumbling and bumbling and basically lying about what's happening with our economy. It's Putin. He issued this announcement about E15 gasoline. And um, how it's going to make gas cheaper. And if you read about this or you listen to people that know the energy industry, they'll tell you that it's going to have a very, very minor, minute effect. But the bigger story is if you decide that ethanol, more ethanol, is the answer, can you still say you have a Green New Deal? Because if you keep using cropland 
that should be producing food to produce energy that you would prefer to have for political reasons, at what point are you making the decision that somebody somewhere goes hungry so that you can not lose so badly in the midterms and lower the price of gasoline? That's what's really going on here. Okay, we're, we're, we're basically moving the deck chairs around on the Titanic rather than facing this thing head on. And we're ignoring the fact that the man to whom we turn every day for the, the, the newest announcement, the newest policy, literally doesn't know his own name. He said this, In the 21st century in America, no parent should ever have to pull into a McDonald's to, to literally hook up to the Internet in their car so their kid could do their homework over the line online. Think about that. The United States of America, we're the guys that came up with all of this stuff. Yeah. Think about that. They're not even cleaning up what he says anymore. They're not, in the beginning, they would try to clarify, they would try to amend, they're not even, they're not even bothering that with that at the White House anymore. There was a, a, a kerfluffle today about the fact that he had called in the Iowa speech, he had referred to what's going on in Ukraine as genocide. But that isn't the official policy of the United States, and the State Department has an actual definition, and you've got to go through all these steps. And so somebody, one of the reporters at the White House, asked Jen Psaki, did he mean to say that? Was that in the script? And she said, well, he can say what he wants because he's the president. But that isn't the question. The question is, are we are we deeming it, dubbing it, calling it that? And I'll tell you why that's important. It's not a minor thing. This isn't just reporters trying to be you know jackasses and nitpick his words. That's an important thing because you have to follow what they're saying about Ukraine and what they're doing about Ukraine. If you want to know what's going to happen with our involvement. So today they announced that uh, President Zelensky is going to get a bunch more things on his weapons wish list for Ukraine. And don't get me wrong, I, I admire what they're doing. I support them. Um, but we want to be clear about this. And I want you to know, I, I want to be honest with you at least, if we get more and more involved to the point where we're arming Ukraine, where we're uh, going to, tr- we're, like, we're going to give them some stuff now that they don't know how to use. And that means we're going to have to train Ukrainian soldiers to use them. And that either means extracting Ukrainian soldiers over to a NATO country like Poland, giving them the training there, and then inserting them back into the country, or it means putting Americans into Ukraine to do the training. At some point, the idea that we're not really fighting this war or that NATO isn't really involved is, is going to be a moot point. It, it will matter to our politicians. It will not matter to the rest of the world. It, when you look back at a lot of wars, like the Vietnam War, it's kind of hard to know when we started fighting it. Were we fighting it on this date or that date, or when this speech was given, or when this action occurred, we backed in, we incremented in. We had advisors. We were there, but we weren't fighting. We were we were training the fighters, but we weren't fighting. We were, you know, all this stuff that, well, actually we were in it. And that's what's happening here. And the thing that 
fuzzed up Vietnam was that there was never a decision taken with the knowledge and the consent of the American people who might have given that consent or might not have. But it, that never happened. And whatever you think we should do here, and I'm not, I'm not really asking that question at the moment, but whatever you think we should do here or you don't think we should do anything here, that needs to be clear. It's only clear to us. Oh no, we're not involved. We're not, no, no, we're not, we're not, this isn't our war. It's, it's gotta be an attack on a NATO country. We're not fighting this war. We're not going to put troops in. Yeah, but see, that's not how it looks. 210-599-5555. The Jack Riccardi Just a Minute video today is about Harry Truman because yesterday, we didn't get a chance to talk about this with all the breaking news yesterday, but yesterday was the anniversary of the death of FDR and Harry Truman becomes president. And I thought it was interesting, if you go back and look, in 1945, a majority of Americans, according to a Roper survey, did not know Harry Truman was the vice president. On the day that FDR died, the new president, the new leader of the free world, in the middle of a world war, was a guy most Americans did not know, and did not know was in that job. Because FDR had had two other vice presidents during his long record-setting presidency, and if people thought anything about the VP, they probably thought it was one of those men. Harry Truman had only been vice president for a couple of months, a few months. They did not know. He wasn't on television all the time. He wasn't on Jimmy Kimmel all the time. So they didn't know. Anyway, my point is, a guy people didn't even know rises to this moment and becomes this stable, solid, reassuring figure. In the middle of World War. Meanwhile, back in our day and time, we have Kamala Harris, who yesterday said, when asked about um, inflation by a television station in Philadelphia, she was doing a local television interview, she was asked about inflation and gas prices, she said, quote, I acknowledge, one must acknowledge, that prices are going up. I'm sorry, what? I acknowledge, one must acknowledge, that prices are going up. I think that's like saying, it is what it is. <laughs> so, I, I like the way politicians, when we, when we complain about the price of groceries or gas, they go, oh, yes, you're right. We, we acknowledge that. That is... That it, we, we totally acknowledge that. That would be like if you got pulled over for speeding and you told the, the, the police officer, well, yeah, I mean, I acknowledge. Can, can I go now? Because I'll, I'll acknowledge that I was, I was doing 60 and a 30. Doesn't work that way, does it? They're not satisfied with you just acknowledging it. These people are just acknowledging that we can't afford our lives because of decisions they've made, policies they've made. 210-599-5555. Coming up, we're going to check KTSA Time Saver Traffic. And then I found another thing that the guilt-riddled progressives are trying to ruin. We found another thing that they've decided. This isn't something they're taking down. This is something they're putting up. You're going to want to hear this. So there's a um, an art gallery in London. I'm not uh, a major connoisseur of the arts, but... Um, 
this is a gallery that has been closed for much of the last two years, and um, they're getting it, you know, back into, uh, you know, they're opening it up again to people being able to come in person and see them, so they don't have to look at the look at the paintings virtually or online. Anyway, um, while it was closed, they decided to put signs up labeling paintings. Uh, this one, for example, is a uh, classic by, uh, is it Manet? Manette? I don't know. I'll say Manet. I don't know. Um, and it's a, it's a classic painting of a female bartender uh, and a male customer looking at her. And um, the museum now has put a sign up um, explaining to people that look at the painting that this is misogyny that this man feels entitled to look at this pretty young woman. And it diminishes her because he's staring at her. He's looking at her. Um, I wish I was making this up. I wish this was like a Saturday Night Live sketch or something, you know, back when it was funny and, and you could make jokes like this because we all knew they were jokes. This is really happening. And this is what I call guilt-riddled progressivism. These are people who, they can't stop with the present. They have to go back and change the past, too. The, the present isn't enough for them. So they, they want to go back. They don't know who she is. They weren't there when he painted it. But they want you to know how sensitive and, and caring and aware they are. They are hurt on her behalf they are offended on her behalf they are mad at the man staring at the bartender who does he think he is and on top of it i'll just throw in he's white yeah i know i know i know there's a lot of that in artwork a lot of a lot of white people yeah. so um they're calling out misogyny and what one uh, woman who was part of this review process called the male gaze. She says, we feel that the woman is unsettled by the man's presence, and she's a victim of her circumstances. Um, projecting a little, or a lot, maybe? So here's an example. We've, we've talked a lot over the years about progressives taking down signs and ripping things down. This is an example of, of putting up a sign. I guess we should be grateful that they're letting the peons even see this painting, right? It's it's very kind of them to at least allow us to look at it. But we can't look at it without reading their damn sign that explains it to us, because we wouldn't get it otherwise. It must be great to be so enlightened. Um, I don't watch it, but apparently I've been reading stories about what's happened with the launch of CNN's uh, paid streaming service. You know, all the Every every uh, cable outfit now has a a side deal where it's you know plussed up extra good stuff, extra exclusive. I think Fox is calling it Fox Nation, uh, Discovery, and they all have one, right? So CNN launched theirs. It's called CNN Plus, and um, they spent somewhere between two hundred fifty and three hundred million dollars to launch it. It's five ninety nine a month or sixty dollars a year. 
And it has flopped massively. It looks like they only have somewhere between eight and 10,000 subscribers, which if you do the math means they have paid like $30,000 a subscriber. I don't know if that's a good deal or not. I've never launched a paid streaming service. It doesn't seem like a very good business model. They hired, uh, what's his face, Chris Wallace from Fox. So he gave up the biggest cable audience to go work for a streaming service that has 9,000 people watching. That's a great career move, Chris. They hired Casey Hunt from MSNBC, who was one of the big stars on MSNBC. So anyway, they've got all this hype, and nobody's paying, nobody's buying CNN's streaming service. They're already probably going to have to make some cutbacks just to, just to survive. Now, this made me wonder, how many people are watching CNN, the cable channel, the free channel? And by free, I know that you pay for cable, but I mean the, the, the non-CNN plus CNN, the, the, the original CNN. I wonder how many people are watching that really just out of habit. Because with CNN plus, you had to make a decision. Right? You had to subscribe, you had to click here and fill out this form and and commit. I wonder how much of CNN's audience, which is greatly diminished from what it once was, is just there because of habit, because the brand still, for some people, reminds them of when it was all about news and it was the place to go for news and it was the voice of news. I mean... Obviously, this new thing isn't working. The brand has no pulling power at all. You know, there's there's teenagers on TikTok with 5 million followers, CNN 9,000. But I, I really think this might be a sign not of CNN Plus being in trouble, but of CNN being in trouble. All right, well, Dennis, obviously we're hoping the Spurs win tonight so that they can go on to uh, play the Clippers, who won their uh, play-in game uh, uh, last night against uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves. That was the game where the lady went, ran out onto the court at one point during the game and tried to super glue herself to the court. So she, uh, her name is Alicia Centurio. She is a self-described animal rights activist. During the second quarter of the game between the T-Wolves and the Clippers, she somehow got onto the court and uh, attempted to glue herself to the court under one of the baskets. She was wearing a T-shirt decrying the fact that the owner of the Minnesota team uh, owns a chicken processing business. So he's obviously committing, would we call that henicide? (laughs) <laughs> hey, if somebody can call it Greg Hound, I'm going to call it Hennicide. There, I did it. Um, it must be embarrassing. If you're an animal rights activist, but you're not insane, why are the people that always make the headlines crazy? Like, I, I believe in treating animals right. I don't think I believe that animals have rights. I think we should do right by them. I think we should treat them right. I, I'm a dog lover, but... Um, if, if you are someone that believes we shouldn't eat them or we shouldn't have them in zoos or whatever, then, I mean, wh- why are the people that always make the news, why are the people that represent you always bat bleep crazy? Glue, try to glue herself to the floor. 
Super glue is forever. It's not just for the duration of a basketball game. I mean, super glue is it. That's it. You're done. You super glue a handle back on a mug, that sucker's staying on there for the rest of your life. So they had to pull her up off the floor and um, in the process, it left some skin on the floor. And you know, all they have at basketball games are those guys with the mops to mop up the sweat. I don't think they have an answer for skin. I hate to see one of the basketball players hurt himself slipping on crazy. Bizarre. It's kind of true of a lot of things, though. There's a lot of people that are self-appointed, you know, like, I I speak for the LGBTQ community. Really? Uh, How did that come about? Like, you, you don't get to say that just because you are a member of that community. Did they elect you? Was there a meeting? Was there a plebiscite? Uh, can you show me the vote totals? Were there other candidates? But we do that, right? We And then we in the media, and we're guilty of this, we interview people and we pretend they represent entire bodies and groups of people. Oh, I'm interviewing the person who represents the LGBTQ community. But But according to who? That's a huge number of people. They're very diverse. You can't generalize about them. You can't say they all think the same thing or feel the same way or vote the same way. They come from every walk of life. They're every age and generation and race and economic stratus, and you don't know. You can't speak for that entire community, but we do it. And that's accepted. We have people that claim to speak for all African Americans, people who claim to speak for all Hispanic Americans. They kind of screwed up because they invented a term, Latinx, that Hispanic Americans don't want or like and had never themselves used. But that exposed what I'm talking about. These are all self-appointed representatives. It's bad enough when we elect our representatives, but it's even worse when they elect themselves. And I was thinking about this woman that superglued herself to the floor. This is exactly, I mean, forget that it's about animal rights. It could be about anything. This is what gives whatever you're serious about or you do care about a bad name. Because who who thinks that's a good idea? The animals are probably thinking, man, this is this is who we have defending us. <laughs> the chickens are like, we're 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 out of luck. If if Alicia is our defender, we're out of luck. Her and her tube of super glue. Why would you wait till the second quarter? Why not do it at the beginning of the game? I don't know. Anyway. 210-599. Maybe the game was good and she was watching for a while and then she remembered why she was there. I don't know. I don't know. 210-599-5555 or jack at ktsa.com. Got a lot of email about the uh, appraisals that we talked about yesterday. Mark wrote into Jack at ktsa.com. Um, I listened to your show on the podcast. I own six and a half acres in Comal County. I won't give all the numbers. His uh, his appraisal went from uh, it, it basically almost doubled. Um, he says the only solution is to take this process out of the hands of politicians, but I don't know the mechanism 
to accomplish that. Evan wrote to Jack at KTSA.com. I think it's funny how the appraisal districts jump on a bubble in the housing market, but we don't see them adjusting when it crashes. Also, he writes, no time is good for a tax increase, but I think it's extraordinarily poor timing when they uh, first when they increased appraisals during the pandemic, and now in 2022, people are recovering from it on top of record inflation. Yeah. I agree. Keep them coming, Jack at KTSA.com. And we were talking about CNN Plus, and a number of people pointed out that one of the reasons Fox Nation, which I'm not a subscriber to, full disclosure, I'm not touting them, but the reason Fox Nation has been successful is that Fox News Channel has people that are popular, if I may use a technical term. So if you're popular and you announce, hey, there's more ways to get me or see me or I'm in more places, people will, will go there. CNN is populated by Brian Stelter and other folks that no one wants to watch. So offering folks an additional dose of people they've already decided they don't like and saying now you'll have to pay for it is not a good business model. So that's why it may have worked for Fox and it may not be working for CNN. Not that I'm trying to help CNN. If CNN Plus leads to the further unraveling of CNN, that's probably a good thing, right? Hennicide. I'm against hennicide, unless I'm hungry. Economist Steve Moore joining us now on the KTSA Connecticut Quality Water Softeners Newsmaker Line. Steve, good afternoon to you. Hey, Jack. So the messaging from the administration this week uh, has been, uh, if I may paraphrase the, uh, you know, the old quote, we feel your pain, message received, um, I think Kamala Harris said something like, it's important to acknowledge that we acknowledge inflation. Um, but, I mean, everything they're saying sounds like uh, they just want to acknowledge that it's happening, but they're not taking any ownership of it, and they're still spinning and selling the, it's Putin's inflation, it's Putinflation, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good summer of where we're at. I mean, think about the last year, you know, we've talked about this month after month on your show that I think it was about 10 months ago. I started warning, hey, this inflation is getting out of control. Remember, at first they said inflation, what inflation? And, and then when inflation got to four or five percent, they said, yeah, but it's transitory. Remember that one? It's transitory. It's going to go away. And then uh, a few months later, it got even worse. And uh, CNN and some of the people in the media said, yeah, a little inflation is not bad for you. It's, it's good for you. And uh, and now it's entrenched. And we have the worst inflation, as everyone knows, in 40 years. It is putting incredible hardship on a lot of Americans. Uh, you know, I, I paid $30 more for a fill-up uh, yesterday than I paid when Trump was president. All of these things are um, like taxes on the American consumer. And, I, you know, I think you summarized the situation pretty well. I would just add to that. I think what's most troubling is that um, they won't – they don't have any solution to the problem. I mean, for example, he said, well, we're going to put more corn in our tank. You know, we're going to use more ethanol. I mean, that's, you know, that might bring the gas price down a little bit. But have you seen the corn price, by the way, lately? I mean, that's through the roof, too. So we're going to get the corn to put in the tank. And then, right. then, oh, we're going to cut the gas tax and find that might cut, you know, for 10 cents. And, and then, oh, we're going to pour more, take more uh, oil out of the strategic reserve. You know, you put all those things together, maybe it might cut gas uh, prices by 25 cents a gallon. But they're up $2 gallon, dollars a gallon since right. Biden took office. And, um, 
one other quick thing. Look, the, the match that lit this forest fire of higher prices was, of course, the mad multi-trillions of dollars of spending Biden did. So, you know, they don't acknowledge that. In fact, Biden's saying he wants to spend more money. Let, let's zero in for a second on the ethanol announcement, because from what I've read, and you, you know more about this, I mean, we're already in a situation where um, because of the the Ukraine war, there's going to be grain shortages and fertilizer yep, shortages. Yep, yep, yep. We know that the move toward green energy is all around the world is eating up farmable land with things yep, like yep. windmills and, and, yep. and solar farms. So the more we try to get energy out of what should be producing food, aren't we sentencing maybe not Americans, but people around the world to die of hunger? Well, you know, we're going to have more hunger. I don't know if they're going to, people are going to die of hunger, but you'll have more malnutrition and you'll, you will have uh, people, you know, going to bed, you know, children who are hungry at night. And, you know, there was a big article in, in the, um, the London uh, Times this weekend about how, you know, there's a global shortage of food and people are, you know, having a hard time finding the, uh, the uh, food supplies that they need to keep their families fed. So, yeah, you're right. This is a, and, <laughs> You know, corn is now at or near its highest price in 25 years, and that's before they want to divert all of this to um, to energy production. So I don't, I just don't see it as a solution. What, what I see as a solution is slash government spending, um, and let's get back to producing U.S. energy. As you know, I worked for Donald Trump. We talked a lot, and we had a plan to make America not just energy independent but dominant. The day that Trump left office, we weren't importing oil from from Moscow. We were actually sending our oil and gas around the world because we were exporting it. And what a difference 14 months makes. Or incidentally, do you know what the inflation rate was that, that the month that Trump left office? No, what was it? It was 1.8%. Yeah, and we weren't talking about it because that's really low. Yeah, 1.8% is really low. I mean, the, two, the target is 2%, so we were below the target. How do you go from 1.8% inflation uh, in 14 months go to 8.5% inflation, and then you blame yeah. that on Putin? Now, look, Putin, there's no question the Putin invasion of Ukraine has raised prices, no doubt about mm-hmm. that. But I, I'm here to tell you, I think if Trump were still president, there's no way in hell that uh, – that uh, Putin would have gone into Ukraine. He wouldn't have done it. I mean, he saw weakness because of what happened in Afghanistan, and they capitalized on it. Let's talk about the gas price uh, issue again, though, because um, I want to get your thoughts on this. You know, I remember, I'm old enough to remember, and and I know you are, but we, we remember in the past politicians knew that if gas prices were up or going up, they were doomed at the ballot box. So it didn't matter their political party yeah, do what yeah. you got to do, get that price down. But now the narrative is gas is over. It's the end of gas. We're not going to have gasoline-powered cars. It's fossil. We call it fossil fuel. It makes us sound like Fred Flintstone if we're still using it, right? Like, what are you doing? You're using fossil fuel. So are they, are they trying to get, let themselves off the hook and say, well, we don't need to address this issue because in a couple of years you won't even need this stuff? Well, I mean, you make another a couple of really good points. And let, let's just start with the fact, I mean, let, stop lying, uh, you know, uh, Democrats and Biden. You want high gas prices. You right. hate gas. You hate oil. You hate fossil fuels. You you want all these policies to 
get people to stop using them. Well, the best way to stop using get somebody to stop using something is to raise its price. So, you know, this was a manufactured crisis. This one wasn't some kind of act of nature. They like they'd like the gas price to go to ten or fifteen dollars a gallon. Then nobody would ever use it, and somehow they'd think that would save the planet. So that's point number one. At least they should be honest when Joe Biden says, "I'm doing everything I can to reduce the gas price." No, he's not. He's doing everything he can to raise the gas price. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two. Um, yeah, you know, do you know what percentage, I keep asking these questions, but this is really important stuff. Do you know what percentage of the cars on the road today are electric vehicles? It's like 1 or 2%? Uh, well, we're up to about 3, 3, 3.5%. Okay. So, you know, but still, if my math is right, that means 96% of us are still using cars. They use yeah. the combustible engine and use gasoline. Right. So when Pete Buttigieg goes out there, he's the transportation secretary who knows nothing about transportation, don't worry about those $5 a gallon gasoline prices. Everybody's going to have... Yeah, you know, electric car. Yeah, 2040. <laughs> I mean, this is But I think that's the that's the dynamic of the of this moment. Will they be able to convince people that this is not something we need to address long term? Because I'm with you. Despite these projections and the car companies all announcing they're going to completely electrify their fleets by the year 2030 or whatever it is, I I I somehow think we're going to get to those target years and we're still going to have a lot of gasoline powered cars not only on the road but somehow still being manufactured you're going to have to build what people want you can't force it on them and and so i think we're going to get to those years and it's not going to be the future we thought it would be and 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 they're telling people oh don't worry you won't even care what gas costs in five years yeah, and the, uh, we're just uh, looking at some polling data that shows Americans don't want the government to tell them what kind of vehicle they can buy. Uh, you're you're going to at least have half Americans that still want old-fashioned, you know, uh, you know, combustible engine cars. Americans have a love affair with their cars. The government's not going to take them away from them and force us to buy EVs. And by the way, I don't have anything against electric vehicles. They're great, you know, they're great machines. Uh, you know, I don't have a Tesla. My friend does. I drive it all the time. But yeah, yeah, it, it's like they're saying, oh, we're going to go to 100% solar wind power. No, we're not. <laughs> no, we're not. We get yeah. 70% of our energy today from from old-fashioned oil, gas, and coal. You know, maybe in the next century we might, but these, the idea that we're going to transition the American economy without people, you know, consenting to that is, is really ridiculous. We have a crisis on our hand right now, and you are exactly right, Jack that what cost Jimmy Carter the election in 1980 in a landslide against Reagan was that people were sick of the high gas prices and sick of the inflation. So Mm -hmm. Biden better get this tiger by the tail or he's going to end up with the same fate. Exit question and quick answer if you can. Are Republicans who are on the ballot this year able to explain these things to their Benefit. I mean, they're going to benefit yeah. from how angry people are at Democrats, but are they actually able to enunciate like how inflation works? Uh, it's not a hard thing to explain to people, and they don't. Even, the politicians don't even have to explain it to people. We get it. We see it every day, Jack. You can't spin this, and people are angry every time I go to the grass pump. People recognize me, and say it wouldn't be like this if Trump were president. I knock my nod my head and say you're exactly mm. right. All right, Steve Moore, always appreciate it, sir. Thanks for coming on with us today. This is a famous painting. It's a man looking at a woman who's a bartender. And um, when the museum opened post-pandemic, this gallery in London, uh, the uh, progressives decided they needed, they were so guilt-riddled by the idea that this man is looking at this pretty young woman 
they needed to put an explanation in front of the painting that this is misogyny. The stuff they are guilty, uh, that they're guilt riddled by, the stuff that they're, that they're, they're bothered by, it's never ending. So let's make a list. What are the things that offend liberals? What are the things that always offend liberals? Like, like pickup trucks always offend liberals, right? Uh, country music always offends liberals. What else is it? 210-599-5555. I want to make a list. And we'll start with in a lot of emails on this, jack at ktsa.com. Let me start with Brian on KTSA. Brian, good afternoon. Hey, Jack. Good afternoon. I lived in Northern California for 20 years, so I'm very yes. familiar with liberals and what offends okay. them. What so, offends them? If you don't share their progressive values... They hate that. They hate any traditional values, pretty much. Can and we say disagreement? You don't eat Does disagreement food. offend them? Sorry? I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, mean, I should have interrupted you. Go ahead, Brian. No, that's okay. Um, yeah, no, they can't live and let live. They can't let you have your own values. Uh, you know, if you have traditional values, they can't let you have that. Mm-hmm. They want to shut everything down. Mm-hmm. And they hate the food. They hate the food that we love, that we grew up on. They hate all Like, what's an example food, of food they hate? Oh, man. Okay, macaroni and cheese, uh, beef, <laughs> red meat. Um, oh, yeah, red uh, meat. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> mashed potatoes. Because meat is murder. Didn't you know that, Brian? Oh, yeah, meat is murder because animals are people, too. Meat, meat is murder. Um, okay, so they, they can't handle disagreements. They can't handle red meat. Um, sounds like they kind of can't handle people enjoying themselves. Yes, and that's why they don't have a sense of humor. Uh, that's why you can't yeah. crack a joke in front of them. Yeah. That's why all the cool places to live, like Florida and Texas, or the, you know, that's where the, the that's where they're, you don't find them. All right, Brian. Very good. Thank you, yep. Brian. Speaking from his experience in California. All right, a list of things that offend liberals. I'm looking for like items, like objects. I don't want. I don't want you to give me like the whole theory of what they're offended about. Give me stuff that when they see it, they're offended by. So apparently, they saw this painting that's been around for 150 years of a woman who's a bartender and a guy's looking at her, and it was fine until 2022. Now it has to have a sign explaining that it's misogyny. Maybe she wanted him to look at her. Maybe he. Maybe she'd been trying to get his attention. Maybe she's not a real person because it's a painting. Just a thought, you know. Are there not times that men and women are actually inviting, seeking the attention of another person? You, I'll bet at one time in your life you were trying everything to get him or her to look at you. Is that misogyny? No, it's what you wanted. 210-599-5555. I call it the attack of the guilt-riddled progressives. They're just, they cannot help themselves. They've always got to be on some crusade or some kick. Now, I guess you could say that there are conservatives like that. But generally, generally, we're just trying to do our thing and live and let live. And we, we, we genu- generally skirt around stuff we don't get or don't like you know I, I i imagine there are things you don't agree with or care for but you're not out there trying to cancel them you just ask to be left alone and if they'll leave you alone you're fine with them doing whatever the you know whatever they want to do right 
But there's something about the modern left, and again, I'm generalizing, it's not everybody, that they, they, they can't, like Brian said, they can't handle the idea that there's something that you might interpret the wrong way or you might enjoy that they don't support. So the, people couldn't go look at this painting, make up their own mind. I thought that's what, again, I'm not an art guy, but I thought that was what you were supposed to do when you looked at great works of art. You were supposed to think about what might have been the motivation or admire the form or the technique. No. <laughs> we had to, we had to make it a, a, a modern thing. It's, a, it's misogyny. I guess they had to put a sign in front of the painting because they couldn't actually yell at the guy in the painting. He's in a painting. You know, they would have preferred to yell at him, maybe cancel his Twitter account, but they couldn't do that. So they put a sign up. 210-599-5555. When they're not putting signs up, they're taking signs down, right? All right, what stuff that offends liberals? Rudy is on 550 and 1071 KTSA. All right, Rudy, give me an item that offends liberals. Heterosexual relationships. Mm, okay, so heterosexual relationships are because there's something unnatural yeah, no about fluidity. that. Yeah, yeah. They want, they no want f- everyone to, to identify with all kinds of different fluid ideas of who you are and your gender. Uh, Lack of fluidity. I like that. So there's a drought of fluidity there. All right, Rudy. Thank you. Uh, Penny is on KTSA. Hi, Penny. Hi. My list of things that offends liberals is they are against red meat, but yet they believe in abortion, so they'll kill a baby. Oh, yeah. No, that's not murder. No, not at all. Neither are turtles. Next time one looks at you and says they don't eat meat, tell them how good turtle eggs are. And then point oh. out, hey, you'll kill a baby, uh, but you won't I'll eat turtle I'll take your eggs. word for that. <laughs> I'm going to take your word on the turtle eggs thing. I don't think I'm up for that. No, no, me either. Just, you know. They're all about oh, okay. turtles. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Thank anyway. you, Penny. Uh, let's see. Omar is on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Hi, Omar. How you doing, Jack? The I'm American doing good. How are flag. you? The American flag. But they use um, it to... They, they use it sometimes, their... though, don't they? Sir? It's not always offensive to them if it's in the right hands, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, but... Uh... It, it most of the time it, it it offends them, and but they'll they'll yeah. use it to to further you know to get them where they want to go. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting one. I think that's a very good one. Yeah, the American flag. God, you see some of them with an American flag. It's like watching a vampire hold a crucifix, right? They're like holding it in the tips of their fingers, like it burns. You know, two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. All right, so we're making a list, and we're going to work on this. All right, so we're working on a list of things that offend liberals. Because they've put up a sign in front of a painting <laughs> so that people will know the man in the painting is being a misogynist, in their opinion. Uh, so far, we've got pickup trucks, red meat, heterosexual relationships, the American flag. Uh, Mike wrote into Jack at KTSA.com and said fast food and soda. Makes him crazy. Uh, Morgan said plastic bags. Uh, Jeff wrote into Jack at KTSA.com and said Barbie dolls. Okay. What else? Offends liberals. And Mike is on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. Hi, Mike. Hey, how you doing, Jack? Uh, the one thing, and I'm also from originally from Northern California. I got out of California 27 years ago, and thank God I did. Something that I found out that offends liberals is belief in God. Mm. Yeah. 
Well, I think God himself is pretty offensive to them, you know? Yeah. I mean, just about everything God says is so Republican, right? It's like if you show them a Bible and they look like a vampire looking at, like you said, at the crucifixion. Yeah. Like, yeah. like they'll burn them. Like they picture God looking like Ronald Reagan. Uh, yeah. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> and not in but a that, good way. Yeah, that, would be, that would be a very scary picture for them, yeah. Yeah, that would be. All right, very good, Mike, and welcome to Texas 27 years later. Uh, 210-599-5555. Jason, what is something that offends liberals, Jason? Uh, guns. I'm surprised we didn't get that sooner. Yeah, definitely. Except except if we're giving guns to Ukraine. They're okay with that. Right. Right, because Ukraine needs them, but no American needs those things. I mean, come on. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. Yeah, very good. Guns. And they're even offended by toy guns, right? Remember we had those controversies about how you shouldn't give kids, like, a pop gun or a, a BB gun or a plastic, you know, replica gun. They're, they're even offended by guns that aren't guns. If it just looks like a gun, they're offended. Yep. Thank you for the call, sir. Uh, we had a we had a story when I was uh, on in daytime. We had a, a middays, I should say. We had a story. Do you remember the story about the Pop-Tart? Some of you will remember this because we had we got a lot of mileage out of it. Um, a kid in some school somewhere, I, n- I now forget which state and what grade level, but a, a boy at, a, at at snack time or lunchtime or whatever, he had a pop tart, and that's junk food, which is offensive. So strike one. Um, he bit the pop tart into the shape of a gun, and was, you know, goofing around with his friends pointing his Pop-Tart gun at his friends. And, of course, any one of them could have been wounded, maimed, or even killed had it discharged strawberry jam on them. So, yeah, the the, the Pop-Tart shaped like a gun. And then there was another story around that same time about a lady that made cupcakes for her child's birthday party. You know, you can bring stuff into the school and they have the birthday. And, and she brought cupcakes and she put toy soldiers on the top, you know, plastic toy soldiers on the tops of the cupcakes because her son liked army stuff and military stuff, militaria. Oh, so offensive and violent. Because you know how those little plastic soldiers get, right? With their Pop-Tart guns. 210-599-5555. Things that offend liberals. Adam is on KTSA. All right, what's something that offends liberals, Adam? Yeah, word up, Jack. Uh, so I would say, uh, <clears throat> heterosexual cartoons mm, okay. and, uh, blazing saddles. Blazing saddles. There's something in blazing saddles for everyone, isn't there? Yeah. They didn't, they didn't leave anybody out in blazing saddles. You couldn't make there that movie go. today. Thank you, Adam. I appreciate it. Um, let's see. Where have I not been yet? Uh, Brian is on KTSA. Hi, Brian. How you doing? Good. How are you? Well, I, good. Thank you. I don't know how you're going to complete the list in one show. <laughs> well, you know, it doesn't have to be doesn't have to be com- you know comprehensive. We can just take well, a start. I would have to say to add to the list. I would have to say critical thinking or common sense and masculinity. Critical thinking, common sense, masculinity, um, and I understand that some of them have a problem with mathematics. Now I hear that math is racist. Have you heard that? 
Well, that is true too. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. So that's uh, okay. So critical thinking, masculinity, mathematics. Very good. Good list. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate it. Yeah, we're not going to obviously have we're not going to have time for everything. In fact, there there isn't enough time in your lifetime for everything. But I just thought you know we could make a start. Others can take our work forward and carry it forward. We'll we'll just we'll just do the starter kit. Uh, we're going to get to more of these calls coming up. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. You can also email me Jack at KTSA dot com on Twitter. It's Radio Jack R. Radio Jack R on Twitter. Yeah. Um, I, I'm looking for objects, items, things, not like concepts, but like stuff that immediately seem to offend, if not all, most people of the left, the guilt-riddled progressives. Kenneth is on KTSA. Hi, Kenneth. Hey, Janica, I was going to add the red, white, and blue and honoring it. Oh, yeah, the flag, absolutely. Although, like we had a guy say that earlier, they do... They do reserve the right to use it when it suits their purposes, right? Like if their president's in office, he can appear in front of the flag. But when other people do it, it's, you know, cheap and it's grandstanding and all that stuff, right? Right. Okay. Much working on a list tonight as we head into the final hour of the show. We're working on a list of things that always offend liberals. 210-599-5555 or jack at ktsa.com. Chris writes, being happy. Uh, Donna writes, football. Although they do like that Colin Kaepernick guy. (laughs) Get him on a football field. They'll be all about football, Donna. Uh, J.A. has a good one. He says, the electoral college. Oh, yes. They're all about college, except for that one. Not not fans of that one. All right, what else? 210-599-5555. Ted is on KTSA. Hi, Ted. Hey, Jack. How you doing? So what's something that offends the left? Nope, I think we lost Ted. Okay, sorry, Ted. We'll try to get you back. Uh, let's see here. I'm going to try Shelly. Hi, Shelly. Hi. I'm going to say family values. Family values. All right. Very good. Thank you, Shelly. Appreciate that. Penny is next on the radio. Hi, Penny. Hi. Voting only one time per election. (laughs) Yeah, that's so lame. You only voted once. What? That's a good one. I like that. That Voting once. Yeah, that makes them. That makes them. Exactly. Very good, Penny. And you should keep voting after you're dead, too. Don't stop just because you're dead. John is on the radio. Hi, John. Hello, Jack. A couple of them. One, the Jack Riccardi show offends him. Yeah, maybe. I think, well, I would say it leans more to the right. They might like the the dish. Yeah, they might like the dish. You know, everybody's got to eat. And then number two, the Constitution. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised we didn't get that one sooner. That's a really good one. Yeah, the Constitution. Um, definitely, especially if you start talking about it being like a fixed thing, like it means what it means. Uh, they like to think of it right. as a living a living document. They, they'd like the Constitution not to be like on parchment, but to be like a whiteboard, you know, where you could just kind of like dry erase board. You could just like change the, change the wording. Of course, I, they wouldn't call it a whiteboard because that also is offensive, uh, anything with the word white in it. Um, 
David says excellence, and that's an interesting concept. Yeah, like merit uh, or uh, recognizing things like a valedictorian or an honor roll. Yeah, excellence is uh, definitely, uh, that grinds their gears. And speaking of gears, Irene says uh, gasoline and gas ve- gas-powered uh, vehicles, definitely. All right, 210-599-5555, things that offend liberals. And Kara is next. Hi, Kara. Hi. Give me something that uh, offends liberals. I'm going to go with parents. Oh, yeah. Parents, especially parents who um, want to teach their own kids about sex and religion and things of that nature. Yeah. Yeah, because parents act yeah. like, like, like the kids are their responsibility or they know best. Where do they get that crazy right? idea? Right? Not a clue. Not Very a clue, good. But... That That's a good one, Kara. Thank you. All right. Parents. Parenting is offensive. It's so hateful. Uh, let's see here. Manuel is on KTSA. All right, Manuel, something that offends liberals. I got a good one for you. It would yep. be anything fossil fuel power mm-hmm. plants like coal, mm-hmm. natural gas, and yeah. even nuclear power plants. Yeah. Yeah. I love the way they call it fossil fuel. Like it's yeah. so it's so old fashioned. It's like what are you from the Jurassic period? You know, it's fossil they're fo- it's fossil fuel. It's like you're it's like you're you know, you're living in a cave and you're wearing uh clothes made out of uh you know, the skin of a pterodactyl or something. Oh, it's fossil fuel. Thanks, man. Well, good one. Uh, Bob is on KTSA, Jack Riccardi Show. We're talking about things that offend liberals. All right, Bob, let's let's have one. Anything that says Trump on it or MAGA. Mm. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Anything at all. Very good. Um, even the stuff that's like part of his business. You know, like, I, 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 there shouldn't be a Trump hotel. Really? I mean, you know, that has nothing to do with anything. All right. Um and, of course, these are all generalizations. There may be exceptions, but, you know, something that, generally speaking, seems to get them. Betsy says uh, the national anthem. A few other people have written in about on variations of achievement, merit, uh, excellence. Uh, here's a good one. Uh, Terry says good grades. Okay. So let's see what Chris has for us. 210-599-5555. Hello, Chris. Jack and everybody else, conservative people of color, they mm. really hate them because they don't fit in the plantation correctly. Yeah, conservative people of color either have to be, you either have to insult them, right, and say that they're, you know, call them names and say that they're, they're uh, they don't know what they're talking about, or, or you have to... Or you have to say that um, they're not authentically people of color, which I don't know what, what that even means, but does it mean they use skin dye or they're using tanning products or, or what? You, but yeah, they're, they're not authentic. Very good. All right, let's see what we got here. Uh, David is on KTSA. Hi, David. Hey, Jack. I think self-reliance offends them. Mm, yeah. You're self-reliant. You don't need them. Yeah, you didn't build that, and nobody does it alone, and yeah, that's very good. Well, that's... Yeah, I just, I just think 
if you're independent, you don't need them. They need to tell you what to do. They can't do anything on their own. They must always do it as a group, and they always know better. So if you're independent or self-reliant, you don't need them. Yeah, yeah. Very good. I like it. Thank you, sir. Good to hear from you. Uh, Bill writes, jackktsa.com, writes. Now, that's an interesting one. Bill is, I believe, correct about that, but... I'm so old, I remember when it was liberals that, that actually defended rights and talked about rights and, the, you know, the, the whole uh, like the whole movement of uh, American Civil Liberties Union and the rights of the individual, and they were the ones that were mistrustful of the man, right? Down with the man. Don't trust anybody over 30. They've given us a president who's 80. So they, they flipped completely on that. They were full-throated about rights. But then things didn't really go their way, and people exercising their rights keep doing things and making choices and favoring things that that that, that they find an anathema. So uh, all of a sudden, it's like, well, no right is absolute. Remember the president said that the other day about the Second Amendment. No right is absolute. Well, no, actually, the thing that makes it a right is that it's absolute. If it's if it's limited or or um, qualified then it's more of a permission than a right. And that's basically one of the big dividing lines in our political discussions these days. Are we a permission society or are we a right society? Is what defines our actions our rights or is what defines our action the stuff we've been given permission to do? Okay, you can take your mask off now if... And then, you know, a few days later, put your mask back on. We changed our mind for 15 more days, whatever that is. 210-599-5555, things that offend liberals. Thomas is on KTSA. Hi, Thomas. Hey, Jack. I love your show. Listen, uh, I know things that offend women who have been corrupted by feminism. Several times I've held the door open for them, maybe mm. reached to get something that they couldn't reach trying to help them. Oh, yeah. And they'll just... Yeah. And they'll just look at me like, how dare you treat yeah. me like a lady? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, they need to put a sign up in front of you like they did with this painting. There you go. You need a, you need your own warning sign, Thomas, because you're holding doors for, for women. Absolutely. Um, I, I, again, though, it's funny he mentions feminism because uh, if you really go back to the, the pure root of that argument, that's a, you know, a self-sufficiency, David mentioned self-reliance. That's a self-sufficiency, self-reliance. Um, I just want an equal shot, you know? It's a really very, um, if, if you will, it's a, it's a very American argument. It morphed into this war of the genders and all men are rapists and why, why you know, why do we raise our boys to be predators, all of that. But but if you really go back to the, the initial conception of of feminism it's 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 a meritocracy argument it's an equal opportunity argument it's stuff we could all really get behind it's just hard to remember that now the suspect in the brooklyn subway shooting frank james walked around for 29 or 30 hours before he was apprehended today spotted by an alert new yorker named zach he'd gone into a mcdonald's of all things in the east village but the more we find out about this this guy, uh, the the more this story gets really bizarre and raises some questions about how he made it this far. We're going to talk about that here coming up. We've been working on a list. 
we like to, you know, I'm a list-making kind of guy, so, you know, to make lists and help you or have you help me make a list. So we're working on a list of things that offend liberals. What is something that offends liberals? Uh, Mike in Holotus says, penises and vaginas. Yes, definitely a problem. Um, June says, borders. Um, Gilbert says, white people. Maybe especially white men, right? Your white European men. Oh, three strikes and you're out. Um, April is a two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Hi, April. Hi. How you doing? Hey, a previous good. caller said self reliant, which I agree with and mm-hmm. like the concept. But a precedent to that is free will. Mm. They don't like it when we don't mm. join their hive mind of insanity. So, mm. yeah. You know what else, when you said that, it made me think, too, there's something about individualism that makes them uncomfortable. We're all supposed to be part of a group, right? We're all supposed to be hyphenated. You can't just be a person. You've got to, be a, a, you've got to belong to some identity group, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's, yeah. that's a, a function of them, too. April, thank you for the call. Appreciate having you. Uh, Bob is on KTSA. Hi, Bob. Whoops. Sticky Hello. button here. Here we go. Hi, Bob. Hey. Well, uh, I was driving home from work and, and uh, was listening to you, and I kept trying to call, kept trying to call, and uh, somebody, just as I got on hold, somebody <laughs> said Trump, but Trump was mine. I think Trump yeah. should be number one. Any liberal that I know that yeah. I've talked to, you say Trump, and they yeah. go berserk. Bonkers. Yeah, he he lives inside their heads. He really he really does. And, and rent free. And you know what's weird about it, Bob? Bob? I don't know if you would agree with this or not, but he really isn't by any means the most conservative president or politician or any of that i mean they have an issue with him that isn't about ideology right 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 it's just him yeah they for some reason they just don't like him at all and i I think he's a great guy i I, there was a lot of his things that he said during his presidency i said why did he say that but right he made things he made things happen he made things go yeah. Turned, he turned our country around in three years. It, yeah. ain't, ain't nobody else did. Yeah, but, uh, no, that's a good point. I Bob, got, I'm glad you called, I sir. Got, good one. Very good one. Uh, lives rent-free in their in their heads. Yeah, I, you know, it's you could you could do whole books about this, and people have and people will, but um, just objectively looking at the positions he took on things, even before he ran for president when he was just a private citizen, um, his uh, viewpoints, his approach to issues and policies. He, I, I really, and, and this makes people, some people mad when I say it. I, get, I usually get an angry email whenever I say this. I, I don't think he's a conservative. I think he did some conservative things. I think he's a pragmatist. I think he says, what can we do or what would fix that? And if the thing that's at hand happens to be a conservative thing, okay, we'll do that. But if it isn't, if there's some other middle-of-the-road thing or somebody says, hey, you could do that, he's good with that, too. And that's the opposite of an ideologue, right? An ideologue is always trying to fit everything into their, their worldview, you know, and they, they can't do anything that isn't strictly according to that ideology, whether it's conservative, liberal, 
Marxist, socialist, whatever it is. That, that he's not that at all, right? And I, I really think if the if the people that are afraid of him and he'll be the end of democracy and all that, if they if they could hear themselves and if they could just stop for a minute and and step back, you people have a problem with him, like aesthetically or personality wise, but not really with the stuff he's said and done. Um, I don't think they can do that. I'm just saying if they could. 210-599-5555. All right, so we got a pretty good list here. We're going to grab a couple more. Um, and Chris is on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. Hi, Chris. Hello. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, I didn't get to uh, catch the name that the other gentleman just did before me, but I was going to say Trump. The okay. liberals don't yeah. like Trump at all. Yeah, yeah, that definitely is the number one thing that, that, that bothers them and offends them. Thank you, Chris. Um, Andre is on KTSA. Hi, Andre. Hey, Jack. It's been a while since I last talked to you. Love your show. Uh, just wanted to mention one that kind of surprised me. Uncle Ben's Rice, which is now Ben's original. <laughs> there you go, bro. Have a good one. <laughs> okay. Thank you. We're going to... That's true. And what was there? Were, there were a couple of other brands. I'm trying to... Now I can't remember what they were. Weren't there a couple of other things right at the same time? Was it Mrs. Butterworth, I think, they changed the name of? I could be wrong about that. But I know there were like two, yeah, right. There were like two or three brand names that I swear to God I never gave a thought to the race of the spokesperson or I think maybe the Quaker Oats person was one of them or the cream of wheat guy was one of them or and maybe Mrs. Butterworth. Yeah, that was a big deal to get those brands changed and those iconic um you know renderings on the box or the package changed that's that's hilarious oh well we got to give the we got to give it to the left they've given us a lot of laughs over the years right i mean come on right give them the round of applause for all the crazy stuff and it all started earlier this afternoon when we were talking about the lady that tried to super glue herself to the floor of the basketball court at the clippers timberwolves game you know, I mean, for not thinking ahead, for for not having an exit strategy, for um, for believing she was going to save the hens from henicide, uh, and she was trying to, and she left skin on the ground. I mean, on the uh, on the basketball court, which that must have been nice to play around that. Yeah, so we've got a good list here. All right, um, this guy was busy. For years before he shot up a allegedly shot up a subway car in New York yesterday, busy on social media, busy on YouTube, filming himself, making selfies, writing long screeds. Somehow, big tech, which is the language police and the truth police, and they're protecting us all from hate speech. Somehow, they missed Frank James. He didn't get away for twenty nine hours. He got away for years. KTSA News Time at 6.37. This half hour, we'll have the results on our Stevens Roofing JR poll asking you about the Republican AG runoff between Bush and Paxton. We're going to see how you voted in the JR poll.
Um, used to be they would say, you'd hear this all the time, most important election of our lifetime. This is the most important election of our fill-in-the-year, whatever year it was. This is the most, and you wised up eventually like, wait a minute, they can't all be the most important. Well, now the new, I guess the new catchphrase is the last election. Yes, the, the the next election will be the last election if Trump slash Republicans slash people favored by Jack Riccardi win. It'll be the death of democracy. And you hear it on every channel. They're all using exactly the same words. Cut number one. You don't get this right this time. It's over. So McCarthy back in, you put Trump back in, our democracy is over. I'm not overstating it. That's where we're at. He is the most acute threat to American democracy around and probably in the nation's recent memory and perhaps since the Civil War. Right now, it's on the Democrats to try to change the rules to save American democracy. Democracy itself is on the ballot this November. If I were a betting person right now, I say Trump is going to run again. I think that could be the end of our democracy, not to be too... You know, pointed about it. Hillary Clinton said a couple of weeks ago that if he runs and wins, that could be the end of our democracy. Do you share that fear? I do. It would essentially mean the end of democracy in the United States of America, and that is not hyperbole. That would be the end of democracy as we know it. That is a recipe for the end of democracy. The return of Donald Trump to the White House could spell the end of democracy. This protest now is not simply about the death of George Floyd. It's about the death of American democracy. The death of democracy. Potential death of democracy. The death of democracy line stood Mm. out to me, Jonathan, because I think that's just factually correct. Voting for show business awards may soon be the last bit of democracy we have left. There are Americans who are willing to threaten folks who are risking their lives every day to keep our children safe. We have to respond to these folks, not by saying that they're just simply marginal voices, but to respond to them as the threats that they represent to our democracy. So I hope you're okay with this, because it sounds to me like the way you're going to vote, you're killing democracy. You're murdering democracy. And not a mercy killing, you're going to make it suffer first so do you really want to kill democracy do you want do you want your kids to know that you killed democracy can you live with your how do you live with yourself how do you sleep at night knowing you killed democracy i know what i'm gonna do (laughs) i'm just gonna trust the democrats because they have shown us they value democracy they're i mean it's in their name of course they're the party that will protect us. The death of democracy. All right, so we've gone from the most important election to the last election. Uh, who said hyperbole is dead? So this guy that's in custody now in the ninth precinct for being the Brooklyn subway shooter, help me out here, okay? I, I, I'm I'm unfrozen caveman lawyer. I'm not good with technology. I, I don't understand. We've got big tech policing the language uh, you know, landscape, right? They're, they've got algorithms. They've got fact checkers. One wrong move by you. You like something. You retweet something. You uh, post a link to something you found interesting. You just wanted to share with your friends. And no more social media for you for 30 days or ever or whatever it is, right? Or you get a, or they slap something on there that says this might not be true and you shouldn't read what this person just put up. 
And then you have Frank James, the suspected subway shooter. Have you, you probably haven't yet. It, it'll come out in the days ahead. I've been, I've been kind of perusing different websites today, uh, reading some of the highlights of Frank's many social media creations. The guy was busy. I'll tell you what. He has spent, well, pretty much as long as there's been Twitter and as long as there's been YouTube, old Frank's been on it. And the quotes, his podcasts, his rantings and writings, I mean, I, I'm a little confused. Where are the people scouring for hate speech? It's, he's loaded with it. Where are the people taking down hateful, uh, violent rhetoric? He's threatening people. He's uh, maligning people because of their race. He he even attacked Katanji Brown Jackson, the new Supreme Court justice, because she married a white man. She was he was happy that she got confirmed, but he was down on her for marrying a white man. Now look, thank God they caught him on the streets, and all credit to the NYPD and the other law enforcement agencies in a city that has done nothing but show the back of its hand to law enforcement. Law enforcement wrapped this up. Good for them. But how come the language police and the PC police didn't get it done here? How'd they miss this guy for years and years? I mean, he was jumping up and down begging to be banned. You would think. In fact, since they often try to blame social media and opinions expressed on it for acts of violence, why can't we play that game with them? Why can't I say, hey, you know what, YouTube? You bear responsibility for those poor, injured, maimed subway riders. Thank God none of them are dead. I'm holding you accountable, YouTube, because he was all over your platform. Like a maniac. Never got flagged. I'm holding you responsible, Silicon Valley. You're so precious and your values and your mores and you're so sensitive. How, how did you miss this guy? Or, or, or did you miss him? Maybe you let him and people like him do what he did because that's different. You know? Maybe you made an exception for old Frank. Who else is getting that exception? And how does one get that? I mean, it was unceasing. The, the sheer volume of his output is prodigious. And somehow, as far as I can tell, the pages, the content was all still there until now. Now, of course, it's, it's coming down big time. By the way, they even put up, I, I read today that they've put more security around Mayor Adams. You know why? Not because Mayor Adams rides the subway. He doesn't. They put more security around Mayor Adams because it turns out that in one of his videos on YouTube, Frank James had threatened Eric Adams. So, you see where I'm going with this, right? I'm glad the mayor has more security, but maybe it would have been a good idea to notice this guy before he hurt people that don't have any security, i.e. the people on that subway car. Very interesting, though. The next time you hear a lecture about 
fact-checking on, you know, big tech and, uh, you know, policing the platforms for hate speech. Um, just just remind them of Frank James. That'll be one more thing they hate. We can add that to the list. Riccardi with tonight's JR poll results, powered by Stevens Roofing. Bush or Paxton? George P. Bush or Ken Paxton in the Republican Attorney General runoff. And the results across all our platforms tonight, 76% said Paxton, 24% said Bush. We'll have a new JR poll question tomorrow at 4. You can find it anytime at KTSA.com. In fact, you can find this show anytime. It's always available on demand. You can go back to the previous show or a show from a week ago or whatever it is you want to do. KTSA.com. There's a shows menu at the top. Pull that down. Select Jack Riccardi, and you're good to go. So um, this was a very big day in history. I mentioned on my Jack Riccardi Just a Minute video, we talked a little bit about uh, the yesterday being the anniversary of Harry Truman becoming president, the death of FDR, but a lot of things. Today is Thomas Jefferson's uh, birthday. Uh, today is the day of the Apollo 13 oxygen tank explosion, about which the famous movie was made. Houston, we have a problem. Um, Tiger Woods won the Masters for the first time on this date in 1997. This is also the date that Sidney Poitier won the Best Actor Oscar, which was the first time an African-American actor won for a Best Actor performance, and it was for the movie Lilies of the Field. I want you to hear how classy and dignified and just simply... Sidney Poitier, this is. Jack Lemmon is the host. These are the 1964 Academy Awards. Take a listen. Well, uh, we're in the adrenaline section. There's this knee-knocking hour here, and I won't delay anymore. To present the award for the best actor, the very brilliant Academy Award-winning actress of last year, Miss Anne Bancroft. Nominees for the best performance by an actor are Albert Finney in Tom Jones, Richard Harris in This Sporting Life, Rex Harrison in Cleopatra, Paul Newman in Hud, Sidney Poitier in Lilies of the Field. The winner is Sidney Poitier in Lilies. It is a long journey to this moment. I am naturally indebted to countless numbers of people, principally among whom are Ralph Nelson, James Poe, William Barrett, 
Martin Baum, and of course, the members of the Academy. For all of them, all I can say is a very special thank you. There you go. Very classy, uh, very humble, and uh, and that is a fantastic movie. You know, he he would have he he did say, and a lot of people I think would also agree with uh, Sidney Poitier that that Lilies of the Field was not his best movie. He he said it was not his favorite uh, that he made. I, it actually is my favorite movie by him, and I know I'm in the minority on that, but it, it really is such a terrific story, and he is he's incredible in it. But so are the other uh, members of the cast, um, and it's just a it's a it's a it's a great story. You're gonna feel when you finish watching Lilies of the Field, you feel like you have invested that hour and a half well. You feel like a better person for seeing that story. And anyway, um, it's on uh, AMC a lot, or not AMC? I'm sorry, um, uh, Turner Classic Movies TCM. I was talking to Sean Ryma today, but we were talking on Messenger, not in person, and um, just shooting the breeze about stuff. And he was talking about a movie that he liked, an older movie or an actress, I think. And um, I said, oh, you must have seen that on on Turner Classic Movies or TCM. I, I said, you know what I call that? I call TCM old flicks. <laughs> because everybody talks about Netflix I call it Old Flicks. That's my favorite channel. I had the cable guy at my house the other day because I was having some equipment issues with my cable, not my equipment. And um, I was explaining to him that it was only happening on a couple of channels, which he thought was strange. You know, it should be affecting all your channels, not just these two. I said, you know, all I really need you to make sure that I have, I need Fox and I need Turner Classic Movies. And he said... He knew I was ki- sort of kidding, but he said, I hear that a lot. I hear those two mentioned a lot. So anyway, Old Flicks should be the name for Turner Classic Movies. They can have that for free. I won't even charge them for it. Um, one more thing tonight. We've talked a lot about uh, gas prices. If you are a donut fan, I don't know if you are or not, Krispy Kreme announced uh, yesterday that for a limited time, lowering the price of a dozen Krispy Kreme glazed donuts to the regular price of a gallon of gasoline. So for a limited time, donuts and gasoline are the same price. That's something, right? I mean, it helps a little, right? See you back here at 4 tomorrow.